Yo, welcome back to Call Your Shots. This is Lucas Rodriguez, and today we're going to be talking about the New York Jets and Aleko Mineiro. Uh, I honestly, I just don't know what to say about the New York Jets. Coming into the season, we had uh, so much. It was more optimism about just seeing how Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson and how this young team was going to go. But to have a winning record with what we are doing without even having Zach Wilson perform at his best is just phenomenal. Uh, we had so many questions about this team. How is Zach Wilson going to adjust to the running backs? How is he going to adjust to the tight ends, his new wide receiving group? And how is his defense going to look? And all these questions are slowly getting piece by piece by piece. And I, I just blown away on Sunday against the Packers. We, you know, coming into the season, everyone was saying, uh, sorry, coming into this game, everyone was saying, well, you beat the Dolphins without Tua and Teddy Bridgewater. We played against Skylar Thompson and then the Steelers without um, any really good, high quality quarterback. Uh, they had Kenny Pickett play. So now we're going against the two time in a row MVP, Aaron Rodgers who's probably in that top three, top five best quarterbacks in the league. And we put a show on him, you know. We didn't let him do anything, you know. Besides that, Lazard touchdown, I, you know, he was absolutely invisible. This defense completely just stopped him. Uh, Quinn and Williams just I, – I, there's no – you know – I think game by game in this season, he's just been looking better and better and better. I thought, you know, this front seven against the Bengals was not it. It was just, it was not working. We made this offensive, the Bengals offensive line, which has been awful all season. And probably since Joe Burrows got there, and we made them look decent, you know, look competent. And no one else has been able to do that. So to see that this turnaround, you know, I, it's not even – it's the fact that we played without Jermaine Johnson, and I don't even remember if, if Carl Lawson was playing. But Quinn and Williams, my God, he put – that was the like, – that was the pro bowl, the pro bowler, Quinn, Quinn and Williams. That's the guy that's on that – trying to get that bread, you know. And I'm just – it was absolutely phenomenal. Speaking of that. What what more to say about the Sauce Gardner? We're talking about a guy who's coming to the league, going on a you know the secondary of the Jets, which last season was absolutely awful, like the worst in the league, and having to get you know the the get adjusted to Jordan Whitehead at safety and Lamarcus Joyner, who last season was not not doing good. Sauce Gardner has been a top ten cornerback in this league, like. And, you know, throughout the season, we could be talking about him in that top five conversation. He was I, – I, I don't remember him giving up that many yards. I think this season alone, per game, he's giving up 28 yards. That's phenomenal. That's not – that's not even, like, for, for a rookie, you know, coming out of, I, don't know, I believe, Cincinnati. We were not expecting that. You know, like, when we're talking about a fourth round uh, – sorry, a fourth pick in the draft, a cornerback. It took it took some guys years to develop into this. It, it's taking Sauce Garner. You know, we saw it against the Ravens, and then we saw him. You know, I think he probably had his worst game against maybe the Bengals 
you know, I think, you know, but every wide receiver he's going against is having their worst game against him. Uh, Jamar Chase had his worst game against him. Mark Andrews was absolutely invisible against Sauce Gardner. Um, and then this game, I, you know, besides the touchdown, I believe he gave up. There was, that was it, you know. Sauce Gardner is right now that playing like defensive rookie of the year and well-deserved. Um, speaking of rookie of the year, Brees Hall. I, I feel like I could just say that. and You know what? It was nice talking to y'all. Have a good day. Brees Hall just revolutionized this New York offense that was absolutely stagnant last season. It was so miserable. Like, this was... Like, this is the first time in my lifetime that I can remember the New York Jets having an electric offense, an offense that people are afraid of playing against. Brees Hall, and I'm going to give credit to Michael Carter. I think he was, he had a really decent, really solid rookie year to the point where I was like, you know, coming out the second round, I was like, should we really be getting Brees Hall? That that question makes me look stupid now because man, this guy looks absolutely top tier. Uh, I just I there's no much there's not much to say about this guy. Like he he's getting these five yards, eight yard runs that are just getting that they're just moving the drives, keeping the chain going for the New York offense, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they say that now in the NFL running back is a young man's league and Brees Hall is the personification of that. He's the definition of that. And I've been, I, I, right now I don't think there's an offensive rookie that has been as good as Brees Hall. So just, you know, hats off to him. Uh, with this New York Jets, I just, there's, there's stuff, definitely some questions to ask, you know, um, and that, I think that's probably more of a good thing than the bad because there were still, you know, weird decisions that, that Mac, um, Mike LaFleur made. And Robert Sala has a couple of issues, but still, that just means that there's room to improve. And how do you get better than a dominant performance against one of the better teams in the league, you know? The question really is, you know, the first, the biggest, there was probably three question marks coming out of this, uh, coming into the season. Could the Jets be more disciplined? Last season, we gave up so many valuable points because we were not disciplined. This season, we've been extremely disciplined. Like, for such a young team, we're acting mature. Uh, the second question was, can we stop giving up these third and Third and eight, third and nine. Last season, there was some. There was against the Bucks. He was third and twenty-one, and we still gave up the first down. Now, how can we, per, you know, get more punts? That whatever they're paying Aaron Rodgers, they should be giving to that punter because of how many times we forced them to punt. Punt. You know, we're getting those stops. We're getting. We're keeping the 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 opposing offense at bay. So that was, you know that's just two questions that are completely annihilated. The third question mark, and, you know, this was probably the one takeaway I think everyone had was Zach Wilson. 
Zach Wilson outside on the scramble, I think, is a very competent quarterback. Inside the pocket, I just don't think he has that awareness. I just, like, he's probably the one thing that was holding this offense back. Um, It took him a long time to get into the game, and it's been a kind of a trending thing Um, against the Dolphins, against the Steelers. uh, It just, it's taking him a while to get going, you know. It's so weird because he had Joe Flacco mentoring him, and Joe Flacco was awesome in the pocket in his prime. And I just, I, you know, there's there were scenarios, and I can't remember the Fox commentator that was talking about it, but it would be like, Zach Wilson has time. Zach Wilson has time. Zach Wilson has time. Zach Wilson threw the ball away. Zach Wilson got sacked. And it's just... It was weird because Joe Flacco had a really good connection to Garrett Wilson the first three games, but Zach Wilson hasn't gone to that. You know, I just think that he's been, you know, there's still questions about him. And, and you know, it's weird. It's, it's something he has to start performing to. He's going to go against that bro, uh, the Broncos. He's going to have the best quarterback a cornerback against him, probably one of the better secondaries that we've seen in the in the league this year. Is he ready? I, you know, let's see. Let's see. Um, when coming out of the twenty twenty one draft, he was my QB two behind Trevor Lawrence. You know, and I think that the reason why I put him so high, I put him above uh, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields, was I thought he was more likely to be the pro-ready guy. He was ready to be in the NFL. And I I don't know. I, I, I'm i having a couple of doubts about him. Um, I think he has moments of just pure greatness, but he's kind of, kind of been more of a question than the answer. Um, and speaking of which, Robert Sala, too. Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur, those guys too. I think that they're. I think that Salah has been running defense great. I, I think that sometimes Michael Ford has been holding this offense back. You know, and, and it's weird, right? It's more in that first half against both the Dolphins, the Steelers. Oh, sorry, all three of you know the Packers, the Dolphins, and Steelers. Where we're heading into the halftime in a tighter situation than we should. Against the Packers, we should have been. Uh, 14 and 0, maybe 10 and 0 before the halftime, and we were 3 3 against the Steelers. Same thing, and it's decision makings that Mike LaFleur has in that first half that is just preventing that offense. And I'm gonna give it to I think that Zach Wilson against the against the Steelers made a bad throw and, and, and it cost us. And then Steelers went up and then scored the field goal. And but that's another thing that's just why what what what's taking the Jets offense so long to score? Uh, uh like we're becoming a fourth quarter team. That's great when it's the you know, when the defense is really good, but we can't be expecting Quinn Williams to be making these plays after plays after plays after plays. Uh it's just it's not gonna happen. Uh you know, in the Broncos, I'm actually really excited to see. I think I think I can expect more because this this is a Broncos team that's been hurting and hurting and hurting. 
And I think that's time to take advantage of that. Um, and we're looking into it and be like, we can be a five and two team. We can be a winning team. And, but at least I'm, it's just an optimistic. It feels good to be a Jets fan for once. Um, so yeah, just plot into everyone. We got, we got more to improve, but that's only a good thing because even when we're not at our best, we're still smoking the Packers, you know, speaking of not at their best. I don't I I don't know about Alet Cuminero. Um this is just a team that wants to hurt me. I being for real. Um there's a lot of blessings about being an Alet Cuminero fan. I remember being it's I believe 2013. Uh my dad and I we were on the iPad watching not watching. I think we were listening to the Alet Cuminero Copa Libertadores final and Leonardo Silva hits the header at the last minute, and we go to penalties, and we we won, you know. And it was I was what nine years old at the time, and then the next year it was the final, and it was Cruzeiro, and we won the Copa Brasil against our rivals. And then just so many years of being this average team, sort of like the Jets, but I feel like it was just depressingly bad. It was just mid-table team, mid-table, mid-table, watching Cruzeiro win. Um, I, I forgot if it was a Libertadores, but I know they won the Brasileirão. Um, just, it was, it, it, we were celebrating 3-3 three, three games, you know. Uh, I remember Lucas Parato scoring three goals against Corinthians, but we still drew the game. And then it, it was a weird mentality shift. You know, Kuka comes in, uh, I believe 2020. And then it was this influx of signings of Hulk and Nacho and Canwin, Eduardo Sasha and Everson and Junior Alonso. And then Ar this guy named Arana is coming in and, you know, Mariano. And... Everything changes about this team. Absolutely everything. And we we started the season a little rough around the patches. We weren't, you know, it was a season right after Sampaoli. And Sampaoli, you know, took this relatively average team to that third place. But it was, it was a third place I didn't think we deserved. You know, we were one game away from winning everything. But I didn't think we deserved it. I thought we were the sixth best team. So Kuka takes this the same team, adds a couple of these key players that just absolutely made Aletko Minero phenomenal. It was it was so fun to watch. It was it was mo the most entertaining football that you will ever see in Brazil. You know, it was Hulk and eventually it was Saracho adding pieces and Nacho and it, it, the attacking was when we attacked it was free flowing it was never it was never stagnant it was never stagnant um, and then we had a Diego Costa and then we won the Brasileiro we won the Copa Libertadores we were unfortunate and uh, sorry we won the Copa Brasil we were unfortunate at the Libertadores we lost because of a penalty uh, against a really good Palmeiras side. But 
it was it that was supposed to be the building block to something greater. I never saw Kuka as some as the best manager in the league. So when he left, I wasn't necessarily pessimist. I was never saying that this was a bad thing. You know, as long as we make the next guy an improvement on the side. I when it comes to Brazilian managers, I think it's hit or miss. I think there some of them are very conservative and don't and then prevent the attack from actually being good. You know, say like I I love I I'm a big fan of uh, Chichi in Brazil, but the thing is I I think that this Brazilian side might not mesh well with him because of the type of players he has. I think Kuka is the exact same way, but worse. Um, I think that in his situation, he had 11 of the best players in Brazil. Some of these guys were kind of, if not in the Brazilian national team, kind of flirting with that idea. Um, and I I don't know. It was – then we were appointing uh, El Tuco, uh, Antonio Mohamed, who made his name in Mexico, I believe, against uh, with Monterey. Uh, he flirted around with you know a bunch of teams. He went to Almiri, I believe. Um, I think I believe he went to Celta Vigo in Spain. And it, you know, I wasn't super familiar with the guy. I was like, this is going to be a very big risk. It, what a bad, what a bad decision that was. I just. And it was weird because we, we had him, and then we also brought a bunch of signings. It was Fabio Gomez, I can remember. We brought in – we sold Junior Alonso to just to bring him back. Um, and we all were saying that this is going to – I can't even – in the top of my head, I can't remember these signings. Um, I'm actually looking it up, up right now, but it just – we were like – we were so excited looking into this because the next thing we needed was either to solidify the Brasileiro or to win the trophy that we're, you know, we haven't had in over a decade, the Libertadores, uh, almost a decade, sorry. Um, and, that, and coming into that season, oh, also we brought in Ademir for free from uh, America. Everyone was telling us how good he was. You know, we'll we'll speak on him. We brought in Otavio. Um so it was it was one of those weird like sign it was four signings we brought in, Junior Alonso leaving to come back. Um and we were super optimistic about this season. We needed a trophy. I think this team is good enough for two, you know. I I would wanted to, I wanted us to see us be better in the Libertadores. I thought we were good enough to win it last year. We were unfortunate to lose it. So Atlético comes in. This team is a, the Brazilian champions, and the real miss misstep was we Diego Costa decides to leave us, thinking that I think I believe he thought he could have gotten a better offer somewhere else in Brazil. Uh, Corinthians was kind of flirting with him. São Paulo was flirting with him. I think he was. I think he's been a Santos fan for a long time. I'm not too sure about that. Uh, I think he wanted more money and in a role where he was the guy instead of 
being kind of the second fiddle to Hulk. He doesn't get it immediately. And I think there was definitely conversations to bring him back. But at the end of the day, I don't think, it, you know, we, we see now in England with Wolverhampton. And whatever, we lost at him, but I didn't think that we got significantly worse. If anything, we got pretty much the same team and added four players. We added at the be- at the beginning of the season, Fabio Gomez. We brought in Ademir, and then we brought in Junior Alonso again. Plus, oh, and I f- totally forgot to say this. We brought in Diego Godin. And at the start, it was very bad. It was just, we we were not playing at all in, in the Campeonato Mineiro. Like, we were facing teams of, like, part-time plumbers, and we were just scraping by. Uh, at the very start, it was kind of just these lucky moments, chasing the penalty, chasing fouls. It was ugly. It was very bad. But we won. We won kind of unconvincingly against Cruzeiro in the final. I thought I think that they had a shout to win. And they're a second division team at the time. Um, and it was just we were like, okay, that happened. He's just adjusting to the team. He's he wants to put his own style of football in. And that's fine. We'll we'll let him do that. Let's just, you know, let's go through this hard time and let's let's see if his system will work better. We're looking at it in October now, and we're just looking at the biggest mistakes that we he like we could have made, you know. Uh start, I, he was appointed in January, he left in July, and I think that he left us in July in a very bad position. Um, we were not out of the Copa Brasil just yet, but we were shortly eliminated after. Uh, he, we were not. Oh no, I'm so sorry. Uh, he he was eliminated from Copa Brasil. We were not even close in the Brasileirão, and the Libertadores was the only factor, the only chance we had to silverware the season. Diego Godin did not work out. He was like it, the thing about the Brazilian league and the people don't understand from a different league from Italy, from Spain, from England, the top five leagues in Europe. The Brazilian league might not have that same quality of players, but it's a very high pace league. Every team is playing high pressure. You're as a defender, especially in a team like Atlético Mineiro, you're basically playing in the midfield. Why is a 36-year-old playing in the practically in the midfield when he can't run back? He doesn't have the speed. He is not the same player 10 years ago. Um so he did not he was uh, he went back to uh to Uruguay. He's doing I think I believe his new team is called Velez Sarfield. Um I haven't heard from him since. Adimi God loves a trier. God loves a trier. I, I I appreciate that he works hard, but I have never seen a player that doesn't have an attacking 
I've never seen an attacking player who can't make attacking decisions. He reminds me of Usman Dembele before Xavi got him, where it's like you're doing everything right. And then once you get into that final third, you're just making every single wrong decision you can possibly make. It was absolute. It's it's one of those weird things of of a 28 year old. He's not 20. He's not 21. He's not just learning how to attack. It's it was. It's just I've never seen a player like that in my life. You know, I'm sorry. Like you know, we all talk about those players that just don't know how to. An attacking player doesn't know how to work in the final third. But that's something that you should work out by the time you're 24, 25. This man's 28, and he's still not learning. Like, he still doesn't know what to do in the final third. Uh, it's just, I don't, i never seen it before. God loves a trier, but he is not a top team caliber player. Fabio Gomez, my God. When he was playing at the New York Red Bulls, I was like, they're holding him back, right? I'm, 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 obviously, I'm involved in the MLS. I check out. I was like, this guy is 6'4", really good at heading the ball, really good in possession. The New York Red Bulls are just holding him back. I, I, how wrong was I? I was like, he's going to explode for a go. I think he was going to, in my eyes, I, I thought he was going to take Hulk's place, right? Like in two years' time, he would have been the starting uh, center forward for Gala. How long was I? Like, I have never seen a guy who looks so out of place. And it's so it was so out of the ordinary. I don't know if it's mismanagement or if it's just a lack of a like the technique that he has. He is not fitting whatsoever. He went on loan. They don't want, they're going to send him back and we have no idea what we're going to do with him because no one wants to buy him. And he has two years. And I just read a report. He's like the cousin of, of, um, I believe the president of Gotham. So I don't know if some sketchy business is going on from, I, I, and then we have Otavio who came in, I I thought that was one of our best signings. I thought he was actually pretty good. Uh, he's kind of that guy that's just a third option to, to, um, to Jair and Allen. And I think that we needed a guy like him. I think that sometimes with Gala, it's just when we rely on two of those guys so much, Allen, Allen has the tendency to get a red card every single game. I've never – like he is – when they call him the pit bull, I don't know – to be honest, when, when you say the pit bull, I don't know if you're referring to Allen or Jair because these two guys are – I've never seen two guys get so pissed off in a game before. Allen has the tendency to get sent off every single game. Um, I've never seen it before. So, Otavio, I've been I, – I, I'm, I'm – Actually, very impressed by him. Um, he is—he's just a different option. He's someone that could break into that first team constantly. At least, it's, if at, at least if he can start a couple of those games, he would be a better option than absolutely no one. You know, uh, I think that before we had some guys who are, you know, that were not the best. 
you know, in those two positions, the def- you know, preventing the attack. And I think he's been a really good third option. I I honestly so we sold Junior Alonso to Kronsador or something like that, a team in Russia. I do not know if he witnessed something in Russia that he has not said to anybody. Because the man that came back from Russia is not the same guy that we sent forward. I don't know if it's a clone of him. I don't know. But it's been, it's, we're talking about two different players, you know? We're not talking, I, it's one of those, I never, I like, we, when we sent him to Russia, he was the, the best defender in the league. He was absolutely phenomenal. He was, he was playing against Brazil, the national team for Paraguay. And, you know, he was locking down Neymar. You know, this is not, we're not talking about, um, we're not talking about a good defender for Brazil. We're talking about a good defender for the world. I was like, there was teams that, you know, he played in um, Celta Vigo. They made a big mistake at the time to let him go because he was a, he was one of the best players in the league last season. I cannot say the same for the guy that came back to the point where it's like, I don't know what to do with him next season. He's just too expensive to keep, you know? And I, it's just, I feel like every statistic of his is going down. You know, I, I honestly, it just baffles me. It just, I don't understand. Like, you know, you know, like where, where is it? Where, where is him? You know? So I, you know, when it comes to junior also, the question is, what do we do with this guy? You know? And I honestly, I don't have the answer. I just don't know. And I'm looking at this side, and I'm like, "What? What the hell happened? You know, like what did what did? It was it's weird. It's the same thing I felt under Sampoli. What is he telling you that is just? What is he telling the players that is affecting them this much? You know, I I remember like Chichi, uh, not the one that's the Brazilian coach. He's a he's a midfielder. He played for Sao Paulo. He comes into the side. Sim, similar to Ademir. God loves a trier. But my God, he does not play well with this. Like, he just doesn't play well with the ball on his feet. Um, he was, he, him and Alan Franco, God bless them. You know, they're doing, you know, they're professionals for God knows what reason. But when, when they played for God, they played with such heart and passion. And uh, Junior Alonso, just came back and lost that, like lost that speed, lost that. I would rather just take those two guys back. You know, um, I understand they're playing two separate positions, but I, I, I just there's so many question marks around the side. I'm just gonna read some of these stats for you. Um, from from uh, yesterday, we have the six best attack in the league. The ten best, the best defense. That's average. That's sixth and tenth, right? 
We have the sixth best attack and the tenth best defense. That's an average team, right? This is not a team that's wanting to win the league. This is a team who wants to be in the mid table, you know, playing the Sudamericana, not Libertadores or winning the championship. Um, so we have the so from from our defense, we have the best shots per game quality for our opponents. That's I don't understand. The highest quality chances in the league are against Atletico Mineiro. The we are creating the second most shots and the third most shots on target. I so I don't understand what is going on, right? It's from these shots on target. That's that it could be misleading us because then in that case, when you're watching them, we're shooting a lot. Yes, we're shooting a lot on goal. Yes, but these are not high quality chances. And I'm going to show you right now. Point, point zero 0.07 shots are turning into goals. That's awful, woeful. That's half the amount that Flamengo is shooting at right now. Point twenty three shots on target are turning into goals. So for every four shots on, on goal, we're scoring one. That's abysmal, right? We're taking the fifth most shots outside the box, the eighth most shots in the penalty area. I don't understand. I, like that's when we're talking about the, the most amount, the most blessed attack in the league is Atletico Mineiros. We have Vargas, Sasha, Hook, Cano, Zaracho, Nacho, we, Kadeki, I, I, I feel like I'm missing someone. And we're not turning these quality, uh, quality chances. We're not even producing them because we're seeing that, you know. I'm just going to read. I, I just, there are so many question marks about this team. And I don't know where to start, but I'm going to find, I'm going to find something. Everson, you know, it, he's always been kind of inconsistent, I think. He's not, I never felt like he was the better goalkeeper in the league. I feel like there is probably like five or six guys who are better than him. This season, there is about 10. His save percentage is the lowest in his career. Mind you, he played for Santos where it was shot city in um, over there. This is absolutely a problem we have to fix. I don't know where or who necessarily, but we gotta fix that. When we when it comes to our defense, you know, we don't have Junior Alonso because that guy is definitely not him. That Junior Alonso is not the Junior Alonso playing for us. Our best defender has to be Igor Habelo, who is out for injury because, you know, just our luck, right? Oh, he might, he's probably going to be out for until next season. And then we have Jemerson, who just came in, and we can't be expecting him to come in and be, like, the best defender in the league. That's just way too much. One of the weirdest decisions, the weirdest decision was we sold Savarino. Why? I That was such a weird decision. And it was not for that much. We sold him for, we sold him for 4 million, 
right, to I, be, I believe we sold him to Salt Lake. This guy's 25 years old. He's one of the better attackers. When he was playing, especially for El Tuco, he was phenomenal. He was he scored, I think, four goals in six games for him. We sold him, and I don't understand why. To bring a Kardec, really? Like, he doesn't even play for us. And so Salvadino, he wasn't necessarily the starter, but when he played, he played well. Uh, you know, the you know, the big issue for me was our one of our best players last season was Nacho. Nacho has been insanely, insanely underwhelming this season. I I don't understand what's happened to him. He lost creativity. I feel like it, it might be an issue of fitness and aging, but at this point, I think that number ten role has to be given to Zaracho. You know, he can't be. He has to just be playing. When it comes to Nacho, I think he has just to play. The same way with Hulk, he can't be playing against every team, every game. He has to just be playing against that top six teams when it's the decider or if we really need the three points. That's when Nacho and Hulk play. Uh, Zaracho has to be that creative outlet for the team. And unfortunately, he's you know he's tried, but he's been gone for a long period of time. Um, he's missed a lot of games through due to injury. Um two two players I just I don't I don't even know what to do with them at this point. Sasha and Vargas. Uh I think Vargas uh Jesus uh you know his red card against Palmeiras that practically cost us this season. I you know at this point I just I don't know what to do with the guy. You know, I feel like he was someone who could be better for Gal. I think he could be in that starting lineup, but he's a hothead. I think a lot of guys at Galo are, but I think that his time is done. I, I, I think I think it's well known. I think everyone knows he's he can't be in this team next season. Sasha, no one knows how to use him. I just no one. I think Sapoli was one of the better guys who knew how to use him. No one knows how to use Sasha correctly. And at that point, he's not young guy. He's not a young guy. 31 years old. There are some teams that need want him or are interested. You gotta let him go. You gotta be harsh. Um, unfortunately, the fact that a 37-year-old Hever Hever is playing for this team is just I I don't know. I just I don't understand it. Like in I, you know, good for him. You know, he's getting that paycheck. But when are we going to retire this guy? I know, I get he loves the club. He's been there for a while. Oh, he's been there when we were one, and then he, you know, left for a while and comes back. He needs, he can't be in the side. And he's played a lot of games. He's played 12, 10, 10 games in the Brazilian You know, he's been the substitute, he's been a main substitute. And he's been playing in the Libertadores too. He played in the group stage. Like he, he's just not a guy who should be playing. Thirty-seven years old. It's not like a thirty-seven year old old, and he's playing like he's twenty-five. No, he's thirty-seven year old who's played like he's forty-five. You know. Speaking of thirty-seven, a thirty-seven year old. My God, 
we sh you know, Hulk should not be having a superhero nickname anymore. He's looked human this year. Um, I feel like, you know, those, I think he has nine goals in the Brasileiro. And I get that. I get that's still really good for his age, too. Um, but the thing is, he cannot be playing game in, game out. You know, he's been playing way too much. I think we've ruined part of it. We've uh, He's been mismanaged, too, you know. And he's so good on his day. But we need to have that second option, you know. And I'm just – I'm going to just do a quick keep or go um, type of situation, you know. Everson – I think we need to let him go. Hafayo, Mateus, Mendes, they're really good backups. I think they're fine. Nato and Silva. I, so, in, in my opinion, the only reason why I didn't want to talk about him is he scars me. As a, he, every time he's on the ball, every time he's on the ball, I'm scared, you know? I, I, never, I, I never want to see him put on the T-shirt again. Like, the amount of times I've... Said he's gonna good, he's gonna turn good, he's gonna turn good, he's gonna turn good, and he's let me down is unacceptable. He needs to he needs to leave. I'm sorry. Like I just never looked at him. I felt like when he plays, it's one it's one player that we're not playing. You know, like we're playing with 10 guys, you know. Uh Junior Alonso, I think if we can get a bargain for him, we can figure it out, but I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think that they're gonna sell for cheap. Um I I think I think we might have to see what they're gonna do. Habelu Jamerson, I think it's too early, you know. I don't know what the situation with Habelu is. I don't know how long he's gonna be out. However, retire the guy. Please, for the love of Christ, retire him. Arana and Hubens have been the only bright spark in the team. I think they might be looking into Arana selling. He is very valuable, and he's very good. I think that in order to get a couple of more signings in, he's going to have to be one of the casualties. But I would rather keep the two. I think Hubens and Arana have been phenomenal. Dodo and Guga, I like them. I, I, never, I never had an issue. I think Guga has those laps of con concentration, but... He's becoming better and better season in, season out. Three seasons ago, he was awful. Now, I think he's actually been one of the better performers. Mariano should not be in the side. Not because I don't think he's good. I think he's great. I just think that, well, why are we asking a 36-year-old to run the pitch? He's running the attack. That's not acceptable. Otavio, Jair, Neto, Alan, Kalebi, Zaracho. I like them all. I think that that's a really good, solid base in the midfield. I like. I I never saw a bad performance out of any of them. I think those guys should stay. the The next group is just you know pick and choose. You know Nacho, Kendall, Ademi, Sasha, and Vargas. I I think it's time to really you know maybe give them another season to prove themselves, but. If they're not, if not, if they're not in the plans for the next manager, who I don't know who's going to be, maybe Chichi when he comes down from if the World Cup, you know, he doesn't want to stay there for Brazil. I maybe the next manager will say, no, I can do something with those guys. We'll see.
Pedrinho and Pavon. Pavon was awful against Flamengo. Let's get this straight. But I think that we're looking at a guy who can easily be the best player in the league. Pedrinho, I don't understand why he's not playing. Because when he plays, he's the better player than whoever he's replacing. If he put if he replaces Cannell, he's better than Cannell. We need to play him. I I don't know. And then there that, that leaves the final two. Hulk and Kardec. What are we gonna do with those guys? Well, they're too old to be like selling where to get a lot of money out of them. But we should be playing them only when in the big games. They should not be playing against Goyas. They need to be playing against Flamengo or Corinthians or uh, even like Santos because they they are effective against those teams. Those teams are, you know, even Galo has these games where it's maybe a smaller team, but they just always have an issue against them, always get have an issue. That's fine. Every team has that. Every team has a couple of, uh, like, like even like an Arsenal, they, they go get Southampton and they always have an issue. They always have an issue against a smaller team. And that's fine. That's when you have to get kind of get over the edge. Some teams just have your number. Kardec and Hulk need to be playing against those teams that we just can't get over the line. Any other team, they have to be they have to be on the bench. Like, I, I don't get it. And then and then we're looking into, well, like, when are we gonna like how are we gonna replace these guys? And for the first time, I just think that there's so much talent in Brazil that we should be buying from. Someone who absolutely ripped us apart was a Curitiba player called Igor Pachon. I think he could replace Nacho phenomenally. I think that he'll he will start in this um, Galo side. I think him as Aracho and Pavon will just make this trio of attack that will create these chances, chances, and chances. And then we have those guys like Pedro Raul, who if we were to get from Goyaz, I believe he's on loan from a team from Japan. It would just revolutionize this team. It would just give them a bright spark. I think that we have so many aging players that we rely on too much. And we need that bright spark sometimes. We need to get this team a bit younger, get this team to be a bit faster, more physical. Because this team, this league is becoming more and more difficult. Next season, I think there's going to be seven, eight, nine teams that are very difficult to play against. And we don't even know if that's even, it could be even more. Every team in this league is going to get better. So can we get a Lucas Sky one from Gremio? Can we get the Igor Pachon, Arthur, uh, or even go to America and say, how much do you want for Teles Mago? How much do you want for Brenier? How much do you want for Lucas Esteves? I, it's, we just need that re, re, like guys who want to play who are wanting to make their names instead of the guys who've had their names made. Hulk is never, Hulk is someone who's kind of like, he's done. Like what more can he do for the club? He's been one. He's probably, I think Libertadores missing. He's been the best player that, you know, since I, I, I think I, I don't remember much of Hanonjian, but like name wise, Maybe Adair Halishu has a bigger name than Hulk. That's it. I just I can't I can't think of a player who has that name that revel like that says a period of time that 
of like the Brazilian like, that screams Galo like Hulk. But now it's just we need the new. We're going to a new stadium. We need that new guy. Will that be Pedro Raul? Will that be Vitão? Will that be Luz Piton? Will that be Giovanni? I don't know. Maybe we're I, I don't know who that next guy is. I just know that it can't be those same guys. We can't be relying on Vargas. Every time we rely on Vargas, he lets us down. Every time we let we let Sasha in, he lets us down. Hulk is not at the age anymore that he is capable of leading this attack again. Like this guy's gonna be 38 next year. That's not acceptable. So I this whoever we me personally, I just Kuka cannot be that next manager. I just, you know, I love, I, I Kuka did a lot for the club. And I understand that there's historical meaning about Kuka that represents comfort, right? But this team is too comfortable. They're too, they know, they feel like they can do whatever they want and they will have a job. And we have to be more ruthless, you know, because if not, it's, I think I think we're gonna end up finishing fifth or sixth this season. You know, I think next season if we don't make those changes, it's gonna be seventh or eighth. Season after, it's gonna be a tenth place finish if we don't make those changes. Um, so, I really appreciate your time today. Um, you know, I, I I'm sorry I was I've been out for I had a sickness, but um, thank you so much for listening to Call Your Shots. This has been Lucas Rodriguez. Have a good one.